Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. We're back here with another Arrowhead Pride interview series. Very pleased to be joined by the co-host of One Bills Live, the Bills by the Numbers podcast. He's the Bills Insider, Bills TV Network pregame and co-host, Bills Radio Network analyst, Chris Brown. Chris, does anyone in Buffalo have as many Bills titles as you do? Yeah, I don't think so. And uh, you <laughs> might be the first person to have ever run through all of those. But uh, thanks, Pete. I don't, <laughs> first one would have been fine. <laughs> You need, no, you you deserve proper credit for everything. I know what goes into this. So you you're doing a lot in, in Buffalo. I, I do some similar things in Kansas City. So really, actually, good to to have you here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. And man, we have been waiting for this game for a long time. I think NFL fans in general have been waiting for this game since the last playoff game, which a lot of people called the best game they ever saw. Some people said that it was the the game of the year. And now we we finally get the rematch on Sunday. And I want to start here with Buffalo because the initial injury report came out. It was quite extensive for the Buffalo Bills. So sometimes those injuries are just there because players are receiving treatment. Others are more serious. Where are the greatest injury concerns for Buffalo entering this game? Um, I think people are wondering what's going to happen with Jordan Phillips. He came back from a hamstring injury that cost him two games last week. And then he pulled up in that game and exited, and the game was already lopsided by that point in time with Pittsburgh. So he just sat the rest of of the game. And, you know, hamstrings can be tricky uh, if you try to come back from them too early. But he's practiced on a limited basis each of the last two days. So it's kind of making us think, well, was it just a twinge and was it not a full pull of the hamstring again? And he's a pretty important guy on that defensive interior. So, We're just going to have to kind of see how that plays out towards the end of the week here. And then Jordan Poyer missed last week's game Mm -hmm. with a rib injury. He's pretty critical on the back end, leading the league in interceptions, and he's missed two games. (laughs) He's played in three, and he's got four picks. So uh, pretty crazy the start that he's off to this year when he's in the lineup. He's practiced this week. But he's been wearing a red non-contact jersey, you know, with a rib injury. That gets, I guess that makes sense. So we'll have to see where that goes. And then Tremaine Edmonds missed last week with a hamstring strain. So how serious is the strain? We don't know. Was it grade one, grade two, grade three? He's back practicing after missing last week's game. So if he's back in the – so if you get Poyer, Edmonds, Phillips all back in the lineup again this week, I mean, that's right down the middle of the defense there that would be pretty good. But – I know the injury list looks long to you, Pete. It's not. It's not as long as it was two weeks ago. They played without like nine starters Mm -hmm. against Miami in 95-degree heat, and then they were dropping like flies through the course of the game. I mean, they had practice squad guys at starting roles by the end of that game. It was insane. So where they are now compared to where they were is actually better, if you can believe it. The name that stands out from afar on that list that you provided is Poyer, you know, from afar, he just seems like such a gamer. And and I got to imagine being around this team, being around him in particular, he does not want to miss Bill's chiefs at Arrowhead stadium. Yeah. I mean, he, he wants to play. I think 
a lot of times this medical staff and athletic training staff has to protect the players from themselves very often. And, you know, I, I don't know. We'll have to see where it goes. Um, I, I know he wants to play in the game, especially how the one ended last year. You know, he's been around long enough for all of those Chiefs playoff exits. Um, so, yeah, I would I would assume he desperately wants to play in this one. But, again, they usually do not let players talk them into putting them on the field. They do what's best for the player, no matter how grumpy they are about not suiting up. Right, right. And that, of course, is the right thing to do. So you talked about the playoff exit. We don't have to get into that game. It's over with now, and I think it is eyes ahead, even for people in Kansas City with this Chiefs-Bills game coming up on Sunday. But I do want to ask you, when you look at that team that lost in the playoffs to the Chiefs and you look at this year's team, what to you stands out as the biggest difference? I would say that Buffalo's defensive line is dramatically better than it Mm -hmm. was last year. And it's not just Von Miller. The Bills went out in free agency and they said goodbye to Starla Tulele. They let Harrison Phillips walk. They let Vernon Butler walk and they upgraded in every way possible. And everybody was all jacked up about Von Miller. And I understand why he's a first ballot hall of famer. He's an alpha male as a pass rusher on your defense. But the, what got me more excited about this defense than that was the signing of getting Jordan Phillips back who the last time he was in a bill's uniform had nine and a half sacks. And it's a Kansas guy, by the way, then you had um, Tim settle who was underutilized in Washington because they chose to play their first round draft choices, even though in limited time settle was pretty dang productive for them as a rotational defensive player. And then Daquan Jones, who has been a revelation for their run defense. Uh, These three guys are bigger, stronger, and more athletic than anybody they had on their defensive interior with the exception of Ed Oliver, who also is still part of the mix here. Those four guys, when they are rotating through and healthy, you get what we saw in week one at Los Angeles in the kickoff game when they had seven sacks and I think it was 14 quarterback hits. So 21 of Matthew Stafford's 42 dropbacks, he was getting hit by this defensive line. And it's those four guys on the interior and the young pass rushers on the outside with Miller. When this group is healthy, they change the face of the defense, which historically has been more predicated on those guys on the back end. The foundation of this team, when McDermott built it from the ground up, was in the secondary. Tredavious White, Mm -hmm. Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, and then whoever they had on the other side. It has changed over the years. And then Taron Johnson in the slot. Now, it is those guys up front. They are the headline grabber on this defensive unit. Yeah, and it, it is good news for Kansas City. They did not have starting right guard Trey Smith last game, but he did practice fully on Wednesday, so we'll see about Trey Smith. If Smith can't go with that pectoral injury, it'll be Nick Allegretti. We did see some struggles with the Raiders early on, and so as you hear Chris talking, it's going to be imperative that Smith is back in the lineup. I was talking with someone in Buffalo this week, and they told me, uh, on the offensive side of the ball, it, it seems like the Bills are able to put together a really nice initial drive, and then sometimes it it tapers off a little bit before they sort of figure it out things later in the game. Do you agree with that point? And, and if so, is there any rhyme or reason for that, or is it just one of those those things that happens sometimes that, that's a weird trend in football? Yeah, I think it could be rooted in 
you know, Ken Dorsey being a new offensive coordinator, new play caller, it's on him now to make the adjustments in game and get the offense clicking again. And through those first couple of weeks, there would be a little bit of a lull and then they'd be back on track and going again. Mm. And I think as we got into week four and week five, Dorsey kind of found his groove with that and had answers seemingly at the ready and quicker than he had in weeks one, two, and three, where there was, you know, a possession that didn't look very great, a three and out, for example, something like that. And it looked like he kind of wiped the slate clean on that and is finding his answers faster. So much like, you know, the Chiefs offense kind of had to get up to speed with all their new parts that they have there at the skill positions. I think Ken Dorsey has kind of found his groove as well in terms of how to work his way play calling wise through a game, even when an opposing defense throws him a curveball. Speaking of the offense and the progress through these first couple weeks, we all know about Stefan Diggs and Chiefs fans happen to know about Gabe Davis, but it seems like he's really beginning to take off. All fantasy football players saw the 98 yard touchdown ended up finishing that Chiefs, or I should say that Steelers game, a 38 to three win, three receptions for 171 yards. Yeah. Are we at the point, and and is it the feeling in Buffalo that Gabe Davis is entering what would be the elite of wide receivers in the NFL? I think a lot of people have forecast that for him for a long time. I mean, I know Chiefs fans probably don't know the Gabe Davis history as well as Buffalo fans do, right. but he came in as a rookie fourth-round draft choice, and Brian Dable, who was the coordinator at the time, basically said, this kid is quick as a whip, like in terms of football IQ and he's big, he's strong. He wins contested balls. He immediately as a rookie made him the fourth receiver on the depth chart behind the three that are usually out there and had him responsible for backing up all three positions. So if Cole Beasley or John Brown or Stefan Diggs in mm -hmm. 2020 went down with an injury, he was the first guy in and he had no problem having full faith that he was going to be execute, be able to execute whatever the responsibility is of any one of those three positions in the scope of the offense was. That's a lot to put on a rookie's plate. And he did that, and he didn't miss a beat when he had to step in for any one of those guys. And in 2020, he got some time on the field. The kid had seven touchdowns on 35 receptions as a rookie, <laughs> and he dropped three more. So he could have had 10 touchdowns as a rookie – in limited action. Now, right. that was partly because he was an afterthought when you had Diggs and John Brown and Cole Beasley running around on the field. So I get it. But he was winning his one-on-ones consistently, and he's just had to kind of wait his turn. And Emmanuel Sanders came in here last year and kind of compromised him taking that next step up. But now with Sanders gone, Beasley out the door, he is the unquestioned number two, and he's living up to the billing. Yeah, Davis is, is certainly someone this Chiefs secondary is going to have to pay attention attention to on, on Sunday. I think as fans of other NFL teams that are not the Chiefs and the Bills watch this game on Sunday, they will be looking at this quarterback matchup between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. I think for a long time we've been wondering, and it's always the talking head question like, all right, what's going to be the next Patriots-Colts-Brady-Manning type no. of rivalry in the NFL on the Buffalo side, do you guys really feel like this Mahomes and Chiefs and Allen and Bills rivalry is 
that next rivalry. Do you feel that way as well? Yes, without question. Um, these two guys are going to be going at each other for probably the better part of the next 10 years. And unless both of these organizations forget how to draft good players, it's going to continue. Um, you know, I, Brady, Brady Manning is something that has been mentioned through the course of this week on, on my show with Steve Tasker and elsewhere, because I think people see where it's going. And I think the reason why more than anything, Pete, is because the AFC was at the beginning of the year supposed to be perceived as this juggernaut, mm -hmm. super deep, like every man for himself conference with all these quarterbacks coming into the AFC, whether it was Matt Ryan or Russell Wilson, they're all leaving the NFC, joining what is already a chock full group of quality quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson going to Cleveland, the whole thing. And here we are in week six. And, you know, is it early still? Sure. But I think most people would agree it's the Chiefs and Bills and everybody else. And some of those everybody else's have been even more disappointing than anticipated the Broncos among them. So I, I think because of that, people are like, oh, geez, it doesn't matter what all these other AFC teams do. <laughs> Mahomes and Allen are the class of the conference, and it's going to be this way for a while until some other young buck steps up and says, hey, I'm part of the conversation too. And maybe it is Deshaun Watson, you right. know, as a reclamation project when he comes back, if Cleveland can tread water until week 12. But for now, yeah, I mean, it's Mahomes, Allen, and everybody else. I think you're right. The amount of disappointing teams in the AFC, just as far as, as hype with Broncos and Chargers and, and the Colts and even the Bengals who were just in the Super Bowl. I, we, we weren't sure if it was a coming out party for the Bengals or this one hit wonder. And it seems like it's more one hit wonder right now that the Ravens are interesting. We'll see if they can. I think they'll, make, be, they'll be around at the end of the year. The they'll Ravens, make, yeah, yeah, they'll make some noise. All right. Let's put you on the spot a little bit here. What do you see in this game? What is your game prediction as the Bills? I believe I don't think it's changed. They've been, they're entering as two and a half point favorites um, heading into Arrowhead Stadium. How do you feel this game goes? Yeah, I, I think the real difference here is Buffalo's defense. It's a top flight defense, has been for the last three years. And as I said earlier, their defensive front is it's so much better than it's been the last couple of years that it's winning them football games. Like, as you referenced earlier, when the offense kind of stubs its toe a little bit or has a lull in years past, sometimes that would put them behind on the scoreboard when they're going against an elite quarterback like a Mahomes or somebody like that. This defense keeps them in it now. They just lock it down and stop people. And I was I was telling my broadcast partner, Steve Tasker, I said, really, all the Bills defense has to do in this game is get three punts, maybe four, out of that Chiefs offense, and they can win the football game. Like, I don't even know if they have to turn it over. If they can just get punts via – or turnovers via the punt and force it – which I know is a tall task. I mean, the Chiefs don't punt more than two, three times a game anyway, if that. So is the defense up to the task to do that? If they are, I, I think the Bills offense can do what they want to do and be as successful as they want to be against a Chiefs defense that feels like, especially on the back end, they're still kind of finding their way a little bit with the young corners. You know, you don't have Sorensen or Matthew anymore. Right. And I, I think they're still trying to figure out those roles. I mean, I know Thornhill's been there and he's played for them too, but I just feel like all the Ducks may not be in a row and operating at peak efficiency for the Chiefs yet defensively. For the Bills, they are. So 
to me, that's the difference here. So I, I think the Bills can can squeak this one out by three or four points. All right. Well, that is the score prediction for what they're calling the game of the year. Uh, Bills and Chiefs <laughs> coming at you. Let's hope Sunday. it's not disappointing, right? No, I, can't I know. Like, it's not going to be anything Hopefully. like Commander's Bears on Thursday. <laughs> Hopefully it lives up to to the billing here. But he is the co-host of One Bills Live, Bills Insider, Chris Brown. Chris, thank you for for providing some insight here as we enter this very exciting weekend in in Kansas City. Good to be with you, Pete. Again, it's Chiefs and Bills, 3.25 p.m. on Sunday. Keep it locked in at ArrowheadPride.com, the Arrowhead Pride podcast network for all your Chiefs news as we enter this game. My name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for once again joining us on the Arrowhead Pride interview series.